0: I want to invite you to continue this atmosphere of worship that we have. This Wednesday night is the first Wednesday of the month. And on the first Wednesday, we gather as a church body for worship and for prayer. And so this Wednesday, we start at 7 o'clock. Everyone is welcome to come. We'd love to have you just come and join us in experiencing the presence of God and worshiping the Lord together. I want to welcome you here today. My name is Matt Bell. I'm the pastor here at Destiny Church. And at Destiny, we believe that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. How many of you believe that? How many of you believe that you are not an accident? Amen. Amen. But that you have a divine purpose given to you by your creator. amen Amen. and so uh, we're here and we're glad that you are here with us today we want to just say welcome Uh, so if you have your Bibles I hope you do Uh, we're starting a new series today last week we finished our series going through the parables of Jesus but today we're starting a new series we'll be uh, spending some time in this uh, for the summer how many of you are glad it's summer how many of you are glad the heat is here no, no way. (laughs) As I was walking down, you know, my my office is up at the top of the hill, and so I was there this morning and praying and seeking God, and as church was getting ready to start, I walked from my office, which is just at the top of the hill, down to this building here, and by the, you know, the 30-second walk, I was sopping wet, you know, just going from the top to the bottom because it's so hot and humid, praise God. Anyway, it's summertime, and there's other good things about summer. And so, uh, one of the things that we are going to be doing here at Destiny is diving into this verse from Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, this series that we're calling Seek First. Everybody say, Seek First. And so um, I'm just going to jump right into the passage this morning. Uh, our, our our message today is going to serve as an introduction to the series, and and we'll be uh, teasing these ideas out over the coming weeks. Encourage you to be here. Uh, you're not going to want to miss one week of this series. It's going to be uh, excellent, and I believe it's going to be impactful in your life. But this this verse, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, it's actually in the middle of Uh, Jesus' longest and most famous sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. And so I'm going to read you the whole sermon this morning. No, I'm not. I'm just kidding. Um, It's three chapters long. Oh, I would love to do it. Um, But... Wisdom tells me that's probably not the best thing to do uh, this morning. But you can read it on your own, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. It's an awesome uh, passage of the Bible. But I want to look at the section that Matthew 6.33 comes from. We're going to read that uh, together, and then we'll dive into uh, Matthew 6.33 specifically as way of introduction this morning. So Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, Do not be anxious about your life. How many of you would say from time to time you experience a little bit of anxiety in your life? Jesus' command to you is, stop it. Don't be anxious about your life. Why? He goes on to tell. He says, don't be anxious about what you will eat or what you will drink or or about your body and what you will wear. Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothing. He says, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And are you not of more value than they? And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, don't be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But, and this is our theme verse, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow, For tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you uh, that we believe that this is your word from heaven to us. Lord, that you sent your son Jesus here, yes, to die for our sins and to, to raise again so that we could have new life but he also brought your word, your revelation to us. He also taught us how to live. So Lord, help us through your spirit to live as your son taught us to live. Lord, that we would not just be hearers of your word, but that we would be people who do your word, who, who put it into action, who, who put it into practice in our lives. We thank you for it today in Jesus' name, amen. We live in a broken world. We live in a broken world. We live in a world that does not function or operate the way God, the creator, designed it to function. Our world today is a broken world it does not work the way it's supposed to work, the way God created it to work. When you turn on the TV and and everywhere you go and everywhere you look, we see examples of the brokenness of our world. You don't have to look very far to see the, 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 the brokenness in our world. We see broken hearts, and broken lives we see people full of of anger and full of rage and full of hatred we see greed and lies and deceit and deception we hear in news reports of of murder and and anger and rage and and injustice being perpetrated on on people who who cannot defend themselves we see oppression of the poor, we see racism rampant in our world. Everywhere you look, you see brokenness. There's sickness, there's disease, there's even death. There's sexual immorality and infidelity and adultery and jealousy and drunkenness, and the list can go on and on and on and on. Everywhere we look, we see that we live in a world that is broken, does not function the way God intended it to function. And the Bible actually tells us why our world is the way that it is. The Bible explains to us very clearly at the very beginning of the book, it lays out the reason why our world is broken. But the Bible doesn't only give us the reason why it's broken. The Bible also tells us what the solution to our broken world is. Amen? Amen? It doesn't just say, yeah, the world's broken and here's why. It actually points us to the solution, gives us the answer to the problem. And as we open the Bible, what we see is that God is the creator of everyone and everything, and he created the world good, and he created the world perfect, and he blessed the world, a world without anger, a world without disease, a world without sickness, a world without murder, a world without adultery, a world without anything that we see as broken, a world without even death. But humanity very quickly turned away from God turned away from living under his authority, living under his rule, and living under his blessing. Humanity said, we will go our own way. We will follow our own hearts. We will, will, will determine what is right and wrong for ourselves. We don't need God to tell us how to live. And from that moment of rebellion and that moment of sin, came into the world all of the brokenness that you and I experience on a daily basis. Every one of our lives, every single day is marked by the brokenness of sin and the brokenness of this world. And so we, having broken God's world, cannot fix it on our own. We cannot look to ourselves to, to find the answers to the brokenness. We cannot look inside and, and the, the, the potential of humanity cannot solve the problem because actually humanity is the problem. We are the problem. We're the people that broke it. We broke ourselves through sin. And because we could not solve the problem, God the Father sent his son Jesus to come from heaven to earth to defeat sin to defeat Satan to defeat the kingdom of darkness to die for sin that the, the penalty and the price and the oppression and the bondage of sin could be broken in our lives and he rose again to new life on the third day to give us the life of God so that we who were dead in trespasses and sins through faith in Christ could now be alive spiritually spiritually We were walking dead before. Now we are alive in Christ. Now we who have put our faith in Christ have our relationship with God restored. What was lost through sin has been restored through Jesus. The brokenness of of our lives done away with. We are now a new creation. The old life is gone The life of sin, the life of shame, the life of defeat, the life of bondage, the life of brokenness is gone for those who are in Christ. If you are in Christ today, you are a new creation, recreated not in the image of your father Adam who sinned, but in the image of Jesus Christ who lived a life without sin. Amen. And God through his spirit is actively working in our lives to produce within us the character, the nature of himself, Jesus Christ, in us. Amen. All of that is the introduction to this verse where Jesus says to seek first the kingdom of God. You see, now as, as having our, our relationship with God restored, the, the barrier that separated us from God is now removed. We now have access to God through through Jesus and, and, and access to his spirit 24-7. We are now his sons and his daughters. Think about that. Sons and daughters of God. And everything that comes with that, all of the, the rights that we did not earn, that we did not deserve, but have been bestowed upon us by grace, that we've been brought out of the kingdom of darkness. Now we are part of the kingdom of light. And and we're familiar with this story. We're, we're, We're familiar with what Jesus did, what Jesus accomplished. And I think a lot of times we're, a lot more familiar with what Jesus did and maybe not so familiar with what Jesus taught. You see, Jesus, yes, he came and did some awesome stuff, amen? Amen. But he also taught us how to live as part of the kingdom of light. You, 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 you realize that living a part of the kingdom of darkness and a part of the kingdom of sin, a part of the kingdom of Satan, probably looks a little bit different than now being a son of God living in the kingdom of light, right? And so Jesus taught and taught and, teached and, and preached and, and went all around bringing this message from heaven to earth about how we now as sons and daughters of God should live as citizens of the kingdom of God. And so Jesus comes and he says, we need to seek first the kingdom of God. First means above anything and everything else. How many of you would say that's, that's kind of a big statement that Jesus is making? Search after, look for, make this thing the highest priority in your life is what Jesus says. That, that's kind of like the big E, you know, on the eye chart when you go to the, the eye doctor, right? Like that's the one thing you don't miss, right? If you're going to get anything right... When you see the eye doctor, you're going to get the big E right. Jesus says, this is the first thing, the most important thing. The highest priority for the sons and daughters of God should be seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness in our lives. And so I've got to ask you, how many of you would say don't answer, that that's what you do, that that's how you live, that your life is a life of seeking first the kingdom of God. I think if if we're honest with ourselves, as we look at our lives, as we examine them in light of of Jesus and, and how he lived his life as the model life of seeking first the kingdom of God we would all have to say that there is a gap between what we should be doing and what we are doing. That you can see daylight in there. That there is a gap between how Jesus taught us to live and how we actually live. That all of us, wherever we're at in our journey of faith, whether we were saved 100 years ago or whether we were saved during communion a few minutes ago, that, that we have some room to, to, to narrow the gap, some room to grow. Amen. into who God has called us to be as his people. And so seeking first the kingdom of God, that's what we're going to be looking at over the next several weeks. And so I want to lay out for you a definition of the kingdom of God. We, we don't typically think in terms of Kingdom. We don't live in a kingdom, do we? No, we fought a very costly war so that we could not be a part of a kingdom because we wanted to be Americans. And so we got, we got kicked the British out of here and we threw the tea in the river and, and we, we, you know we don't have a king anymore. We have a government and its delegated powers, segregation of powers into three branches because we don't want a king. Right? How many of you want a king? Okay, you don't. Um, that, that wasn't a trick question. It really doesn't matter. Um, I'm talking in a political sense. Um, anyway, we, we don't think in terms of kingdom. We live in a republic that's governed by a constitution and the three branches of government. And so how, I, I never have lived in a kingdom. Uh, my great grandfather was a Britishman, so he grew up in, under the king uh, of, of England, but I, I, I've never lived in a kingdom. Is there anybody here who's, you, you were born in another country that had a king? One? Okay. So there's one person out of the, the whole group who's ever lived in a kingdom. So when when we, as very modern, you know, we're, we're separated by this message that Jesus taught by two thousand years. The people that Jesus taught, they were living in a kingdom. Right? They had a, a king. His name was Caesar. Sorry, Caesar. Caesar was king. They also had a, a mock king, King Herod. Anyway, they lived in a. Kingdom in in a kingdom how does how does the government work? Whatever the king says goes. How are laws made? The king makes a decree. This is the new law. And then what happens? Do people debate about it? Not if they want to keep their heads attached to their bodies. When the king speaks, that is it. And so that is a lot of power that a king has. But when we come to the Bible now as modern readers, we, we, we just read stuff like this, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and we just kind of move past it, because honestly, what even is a kingdom, and how does this even work, and Yeah, okay, God's gonna come one day again and Jesus is gonna return and and he's gonna establish his eternal kingdom and he'll be the king of kings and Lord of lords forever and ever at at some future point. But how does this affect our lives now? Because Jesus said the way we're to live now is to seek first the kingdom of God. And so what is the kingdom of God? I wanna give you a definition of it this morning that I think will be helpful to you. There's three components to the kingdom of God. The first is that a king has to have some people. So it's God's people living in God's presence, living under God's rule, and experiencing God's blessing. This is the kingdom of God. And in fact, the kingdom of God is a a theme that permeates all of Scripture. The kingdom of God was in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were God's people. The place of God's presence was the garden. God gave them his rule, and God was giving them his blessing. The kingdom of God is a theme that's developed all through Scripture, At the end, I talked about recently, uh, or a few minutes ago, when Jesus returns, he'll establish his kingdom on the earth with God's people, living in God's presence, living under God's rule, and experiencing God's blessing for all eternity. But the kingdom of God is in effect today, amen? The kingdom of God is in effect today. So God's people, who are God's people today? We are, you are. If you are a Christian today, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are part of his new covenant people, amen. You are God's people. You are part of God's kingdom. God's people, the believers, the church, Christians today, those who have put faith in Christ, we are God's people. The second part. God's presence. Where does God's presence reside today? In us. The Bible says you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You know, in the, in the Old Testament, as part of the Old Covenant, they built a temple... And God's Spirit came and filled the temple. But that was only a picture, a foreshadowing, a prophetic vision of what was to come, which was that God's presence would fill his church, his people. That we even, the Bible says, our physical bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So God's people, who are God's people? We are. Where is God's presence, His Spirit today? In us. And then now, how do we live as God's people, a part of His kingdom? We live under God's rule, His authority, His commandments, and we now experience His blessing. This is the kingdom of God. God's people in God's presence, living under God's rule and blessing. Now what we need to understand is that there is another kingdom. There is another kingdom that is not God's kingdom. It's called many things. The kingdom of the world, the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of Satan, The kingdom of the principalities of of this age. The kingdom of this age. There are two kingdoms. There's not three. There's not four. There's not 5,000. There are two. And you belong to one of them. You have a king. Spiritually you have a king. It's either Jesus Christ and you're a part of the kingdom of God or it is Satan and you're part of the kingdom of darkness. These are the only two options that the Bible gives us. Two kingdoms. These kingdoms are at war with each other. Jesus on the cross has has waged and fought the definitive battle of this war. The definitive victory has been won in this battle on the cross. Amen. All of history now is moving towards an inevitable end where Jesus Christ will establish his kingdom on the earth. It will happen. The battle has been fought and waged and one by Jesus Christ. Two kingdoms at war. Two different ways of living. Two different ways of thinking. Two different ways of seeing the world. Now, this word blessing, living under God's rule and God's blessing, because of how we live in this world. We tend to think of blessing strictly in material terms. We tend to think of blessing as more stuff, better stuff, material wealth, more money, right? Like, we think, yes, I want God's blessing, and I know it's going to come to my checking account because that's what we value but this is not the way the kingdom works this is not what God values it's not what the king values it's not a money is not a huge value in the kingdom of God let me ask you does God need money no why doesn't God need money he already owns everything. So does God value money? Is it important to him? No, it's not. And so part of being a, a citizen of the kingdom of God, part of seeking first the kingdom of God is reorienting our mind and our thoughts and our values to the values of the king and the values of the kingdom. And so we tend to think of blessing in material terms. Yes, God bless me. Give me a raise. Give me a bigger house, a better house, nicer clothes. Give, give me, uh, you know, lots of money so I can go eat lots of Mexican food or, or whatever. You know, like, I want to be blessed. We tend to think of blessing in material terms. We see people with a lot of money or a lot of wealth, and we say, wow, look at how they're blessed. It's just because of the culture that we're, we live in. But let me tell you something. The most valuable things in life, money cannot buy them the most valuable things, the most important things in life you cannot buy with money. Can you buy love? Can you buy love? If you had all the money in the world, could you buy love? No, you couldn't. Can you buy peace? Can you buy peace with God? All the money in the world, can you buy the peace of God? No, you cannot. All the money in the world, can you buy joy? Can you buy joy? No, you cannot. This is why, (laughs) this is why we see, and it's not funny, it's actually tragic people who are so successful in life who have so much money spending it on things that they're trying so hard to find love and peace and joy and they end up alone and dead how many how many of, of our Idols in our culture who are so successful end up dead alone in some nasty hotel room from some drug overdose. It it happens all the time. We we probably won't make it through the end of this year before we hear the news reports again of so-and-so who had it all, yet they didn't have love. And they didn't have joy, and they didn't have peace. You cannot buy the things that, that, the, that, that, that are most important in life. And what Satan does is Satan is the, uh, the, the master counterfeiter. He takes what God has and what God gives to us, love and joy and peace, and he counterfeits them. And he tricks people into pursuing the counterfeit instead of the real and the, ch- the true and the genuine. So instead of love, what is the counterfeit? Lust. So we, ha- we live in a culture that, that is inflamed with sexual passions, thinking that they will find love through, through satisfying just these base carnal sexual pleasures with anyone or anything. And does it satisfy the, the desire for love in your heart? No. No. It's lust. It's the counterfeit. Our culture is consumed with it. What's, the, what's the, the the counterfeit for joy? It's just momentary happiness. Literally, our nation was founded with the at the center of it the pursuit of happiness. And so the guiding doctrine of our culture is do whatever you think will make you happy. God's not concerned with your happiness that is only based on on temporary circumstances. God wants to fill your life with joy overflowing that even in the midst of the hardest times, the most difficult times, the most painful times, that there is this joy that comes out And people will say, how can you be happy when all of this is happening around you? It doesn't make sense. How can you have joy when things are not going your way? You say, well, you see, my joy doesn't come from stuff and things and circumstances. It doesn't come from out there. My joy comes from up here. Amen. So Satan... It's these counterfeits of lust and just do whatever you think will make you happy. And it leads to more brokenness. It leads to to, to sin and shame and and bondage and slavery. This world is, it's a facade. It's It's a thin veneer, the picture that the world paints. It's like when I go to Fiesta, Texas, and I love going to Fiesta, Texas with my kids to Six Flags, it's so cool. You, you walk in, and man, you're, you're in the Wild West, right? How many of you have been to Six Flags? You're in the Wild West. Everything's a Western town. Everything is the theme, and wow, I'm back in time, and this is amazing. And then you walk a little bit more, and man, now I'm in the 1950s. This is amazing, the glory days, the good old days, the music, the, the smells, the sounds, the sights, the buildings. It's amazing. But then you get up on a ride that, that goes high, and you look down, and it's like, wait a second. That's not the Old West. That's not a saloon. That's just a building. That's a modern building, modern structure. Wait, that's not a 50s diner. That's just some modern building. And on the front, they put a facade. It's all fake. It's not real. When you go to Six Flags, you're not really in a Western town. Sorry to bust your bubble. You're not not really going back to the 1950s. It's fake. It's a facade. It's a veneer. And the picture that the world paints, it's just like that it's not real. You're not going to find happiness in what the world offers. You're not going to find joy in what the world offers. You're not going to find love. It says love found here, joy found here, happiness found here. And it's glitzy, and it's glamorous, and it's enticing, and it lures us in. And when we get inside, they put shackles on us because it's not true love, it's not true joy, joy. it's not true peace, it's all a counterfeit. 1 John 2.17 says that this world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. You see, what Jesus taught as he came from heaven to earth is He gave us a totally different perspective on life. Totally different than what we have grown up believing as a part of this fallen world. We are born into sin. And the Bible also says we we are born into iniquity. Iniquity is a a natural bent towards the things of this world. We we are born with this iniquity, this, this ingrained natural desire for the things of this world and the kingdom of this world. But the Bible says that this world and its kingdom system and its value system, it's fading away. It is passing away. Whoever does the will of God will abide forever. And and to understand Jesus' teaching and, and to really see it for what it is, it is a total shift in the way we think about life a total shift in every single area of our lives. What Jesus taught in the kingdom of God, it is totally different than every value that the world has. And not just a little bit different, it is 180. It is upside down. It is black and white. It is night and day. It is oil and water. It is every other way that you could think to contrast these things as far as the east is from the west. They are totally different, the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of God. And, and, and to follow Jesus' teaching and what he taught, it, it, is, it takes a radical departure from everything that we are, are indoctrinated with and taught in this world a radical departure from this. It's a 180-degree turn. It is an opposite direction, a total reversal. And the word the Bible uses to describe all of those things is simply the word repent. That's what the word repent means. It means you're heading one way and you make a total 180 the other direction. And so Jesus, when he came, in in Mark chapter one, Jesus says this, as he came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Jesus says that what we need is not to just add the little God peace to our lives, and then we just continue to live our life any old way that we want, and now we just have the God peace or the Jesus peace or the religious peace. No, Jesus says, You have to totally change everything about the way you think about this world because the way you think is broken, because you have been indoctrinated with the kingdom of the world. So you must repent, you must turn in your heart, in your mind, away from everything you think you know about how the way the world works because you're no longer a part of the world, you're now a part of the kingdom of God, which is totally different. You see, sometimes we get the word, the word repent and, and we, we think that that just means I'm sorry. Repenting is not saying you're sorry. Repenting is not something you say. Repenting is something you do. It is a change of lifestyle, a change of living, a change of action, starting with a change of thinking that first starts with a change of heart through faith in Christ. And so it is a shift away from viewing the world with the natural mind, which the Bible tells us is actually an enemy of God, and to living a life now led by the Spirit of God. That I will not just process my life with my natural mind because it has been so indoctrinated with the value system of this fallen world. I must now, as the Bible says, I must live in the Spirit, led by the Spirit. It means that we are living our lives for something more than what the world can offer. And as we look at what Jesus teaches and what he taught... It's an upside down kingdom, it really is. Jesus says if you wanna be great in the kingdom of God, what do you have to do? You climb the the, the ladder and you stomp on people's heads and whatever you gotta do to to push people down, that's how you get to the top in the kingdom, right? No, that's how you get to the top in the world system. How How do you climb in the kingdom of God? Jesus says you must be the servant of all. The greatest in the kingdom of God is the servant. So, you want to elevate into the kingdom of God? You want to be promoted and prosper in the kingdom of God? What do you do? You serve. You give. You sacrifice. That's the way up in the kingdom of God is down. It's an upside down kingdom. In the world, we're taught if if someone hates you, what are you to do back to them? Retaliate. Revenge. What does the kingdom say? What does Jesus say? Love your enemies. Love your enemies. Pray for those who, who speak against you. Bless those who curse you. It, it is a total opposite way of thinking. A total opposite way of thinking. A total opposite way of living. When someone does evil against you, do we seek revenge? No, we're actually to forgive them, the Bible says. We're to sacrifice to love, to serve, to give of ourselves unconditionally. And what Jesus taught about the kingdom of God is it is a radical departure from self-centered living. A radical departure from self-centered living. One of the great wisdom of our day is to be true to yourself. That's not the kingdom way of thinking. The kingdom way of thinking is to be true to God. We, we live in a culture that says everything in your life orbits around you, revolves around you. You are the center. You are on the throne. So whatever you gotta do to make yourself happy, you do it. It's a self-centered life. The kingdom of God is not centered around you. You are not at the center. You are not what the planets orbit around in the kingdom of God. At the center of the kingdom of God is the king, is God. And so what Jesus is calling us to, to seek first the kingdom of God, he's calling us to abandon a self-centered life and to live a god Centered life, a life around which everything in our lives now orbits around God and His kingdom and His plan and His purposes. And so what we're gonna look at the next few weeks as we talk about seeking first the kingdom of God is, is we're gonna seek and and look at and, and study how the kingdom of God should be manifesting. And how we can have the kingdom manifest in every area of our lives. And so it's not just that, okay, I got to seek the kingdom of God first, so I got to do that at 6 a.m. when I get up, but then from 6.15 until midnight, I just do whatever I want. That's not what it means to seek first the kingdom of God. What it means is to reorient the way you think in every single area of your life and to align it with God's rule and doing so will cause you to experience God's blessing. So I want the kingdom of God manifesting in my family life. We're going to talk about that. I want the I want to see the kingdom of God manifest in my marriage, in my relationships, in my friendships. As I as I begin to ca- court and date a spouse, I've already done that, but as Some of you might do that. I'm not going to do that again. Don't worry. But we'll talk about relationships. We'll talk about having the kingdom of God in in our friendships. We'll talk about the kingdom of God manifesting uh, in our workplace. And as we go to work and as we have a career, we'll talk about how it influences our finances. We're going to talk about the kingdom of God in every area because that's what it means to seek first the kingdom. It means in every area of my life, realigning my thoughts, my will, my desires, my emotions with God's thoughts, with God's will, with God's desire, with his emotions, that, that I, I, I allow the word of God to wash my mind, to cleanse me out of the world system that's been installed in my brain. And we're going to see how that impacts every area of our lives. You know, sometimes I, I think about our brains as a computer. I don't know why I do that, but I do. And the picture the Bible paints for us is of, is of a mind that has been so corrupted by the ways of this world that we don't just need a, a, a tweak. We need a whole new operating system. We, we, how many of you have ever got a virus on your computer? And, and sometimes you can get a virus where you can take it to some really smart nerd and he can like doodly bob it and he'll fix it. But sometimes you get it, it gets so corrupted that they just have to wipe the whole thing and start over. How many of you ever had that happen, right? They're just like, it, it's just done. We, that's the picture the Bible paints of our brains, that we are so corrupted by the things of this world that what we actually need is a whole new mind. The Bible calls it the mind of Christ. And as we seek first the kingdom of God, God puts his mind into us, reorients our lives as we live as the people of God, with the presence of God, under the the rules and laws and commands of God, ultimately experiencing the blessing of God. Amen. So let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for your word. Lord, help us even this week, Lord, as we meditate on your word, as we meditate on seeking first your kingdom. Lord, show us areas in our lives where we're not seeking your kingdom first. Show us areas in our lives where we, we've allowed our, our priorities to, to become out of balance, we're, where we're seeking something else first, we're, where we're not living a God-centered life, but a self-centered life. Lord, thank you for the example that we have of your son, Jesus, who lived the ultimate life of self-sacrifice, who laid down his life to redeem ours so that we could be your people with access to your presence who could live in your kingdom, experiencing your blessing. Lord, as we now get ready to to give in the offering today, I thank you for this church, and I thank you that it's a church that is full of cheerful givers. Lord, I thank you that it is more blessed to give than to receive. To the flesh and the natural mind, that doesn't make sense, but in the kingdom of God, we see that it makes perfect sense and that you have shown us the ultimate example of giving. So Lord, as we give today, we give in faith, we give in obedience, we give anticipating your blessing in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you as you give this morning.
1: Sunday after church the Hill Youth Ministry will be selling fruit cups. All proceeds will go towards sending our youth to summer camp. Join us this Wednesday at 7 p.m. for a refreshing time of praise and prayer. We look forward to fellowshipping with you all there. All youth, 6th to 12th grade, are invited to join us at the Hill every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. This is a great way to connect with other youth while we play games, play games, worship Jesus, and learn what the Bible has to say about us and how we're called to live. For all info regarding the hill, see Mark or Carrie Bell. For more info on anything happening at Destiny Church, please visit our website. Have a great week. Praise the Lord. that's a little loud
0: isn't it wonderful that we can eat live in the kingdom of god it's a wonderful thing because we have a great king and he has
1: wonderful things for us but to possess those things you have to listen to him and we're going to practice one of these principles today as some of you may